we had to embrace failure. And basically, anytime you messed something up, you had to go, ta-da! And you had to make like a big deal. Yeah, Brian's already rolling his eyes like, I'm so glad I wasn't at that training. And they wanted you to learn. (laughs) Your head just just, whipped Instead of saying, ta-da, can I just say, (laughs) mother Here we are yet again, coping on the couch together. Courtney Kelly is a professional mental health therapist. I have been a patient. My name is Brian Mulhern for a very long time. And this topic, a little something that I know a lot about, and that would be failure. And Courtney knows something about it as well because she works with me (laughs) on a daily basis. I know you need coping (laughs) skills for that. Failure can be a very difficult thing for people to Mm -hmm. deal with. And there's also the fear of failure, Courtney. You have things like anxiety. Where do you Mm -hmm. want to begin with this. Well, just talking a little bit about failure, when we take it in and we don't try to challenge how we're looking at it, sometimes that can lead, like you said, to a lot of anxiety. It can get people overwhelmed. It can make you feel a lot of low self-esteem. And some of this might be unfairly put upon you because the thing about failure is there's a lot of it that can actually be a good thing. It shows that you're challenging yourself, that you're trying to get out there and do new things. And not everything is supposed to go our way. And sometimes in our head, we're like, no, this has to be this way. But sometimes there's lessons for us to learn. So if we can look at it from a different angle, it can help us to actually continue to do the things that we want to do because there is no guarantee. Actually, we do need to keep failing, Brian. Well, we covered this last week to a certain extent. We all need adversity Mm -hmm. in our lives. And most of the lessons that you are going to learn happen after you stumble. And I also think, too, at times you need to redefine failure Mm -hmm. because if you get in that cycle where you feel like you're failing at every everything, sometimes you just throw everything into that box. Exactly. Not everything you're doing, if it's not going well, is necessarily a failure. Exactly. This can lead to distorted thinking. You start to think, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure, when no, maybe some of the things I did didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but that's okay. There's more information to learn from there. Sometimes we start sabotaging ourselves because of failure. We have performance anxiety, all of these things, but it's really, really important to examine the way we're looking at it. And it's interesting, when I was doing life coaching and I went for a training, there were some things that we did that drove me bananas. And one of the things, we had to embrace failure. We had to embrace things that we didn't want to embrace. And for me, it definitely was failure. And I remember we had to write a sticker and put it on our shirt. A scarlet letter of (laughs) failure? Yes. And it said failure. It said whatever it was that you had a hard time with. What they were trying to teach you was to embrace it. And basically, anytime you messed something up, you had to go, ta-da! And you had to make like a big deal. Yeah, Brian's already rolling his eyes like, I'm so glad I wasn't at that training. It's um, funny because the other day, we were having a private conversation (laughs) about my first wife who worked at Walmart (laughs) and they were forced to do the Walmart chair every day. And I said, if I worked there, I would walk over to where they sold guns and either take out the person leading it or just off myself. I'm not doing ta-da. I know, but I can just imagine. This is like right in that same exact area. Exactly. Look, the person who's doing ta-da, you have failed at life, okay? <laughs> but it was so funny because actually what it made you do was embrace when you messed up. So mm-hmm. they'd have us do things. You might fall on your face, not 
do it right, and they wanted you to learn. <laughs> your head just, well, I just whipped Instead of saying, ta-da, can I just say, mother <laughs> Yes, Brian, we'll All right. allow you to I'm do that. I'm on board yes. with that. Okay. The rest of us will be like, ta-da! <laughs> You've got a string of expletives behind you. But the whole point being that we need to embrace this. We need to say, hey, it's okay. Let's all allow a space for us all to fall on our face and then support one another to get ourselves back up again. One of the things you can do is research some of the things that people have failed at. There's famous people who've had many failures, but then they did phenomenal in the end because they just kept sticking at it, staying with it. I think the thing that people fear more than anything else is if you are a fan of, let's say, professional sports, Mm -hmm. and there was a guy by the name of Bill Buckner who played for the Boston Red Sox and had a nice little career for himself for many, many years. And if not for one thing, he would be remembered for that nice little career. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, on national television, in Game 6 of the World Series, when the Red Sox were going to win their first World Series in like 70 years, a ground ball goes through his legs, and that That's what everyone remembers Mm -hmm. him for. And we all have that anxiety of, you're going up to get your diploma. Oh my God, what if I trip and fall? And especially now, where there's cameras everywhere, and whatever you do, if you screw up, it's going to go viral. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where people get worked up and think, this thing could potentially define me. And if I could give some perspective on that, I'm using this as a means of realizing that what seemed like the biggest failure of my life at the time was actually something that had to happen, needed to happen Mm -hmm. to clear the decks so I could succeed in other ways later. And that would be my divorce. I thought my life was over. It wasn't anything that I wanted. But lo, these many years later, when I look back at it, we were better friends than we were a couple. And you're still friends. And we're still friends. So it's not like there was a lot of acrimony and that's not always the case with divorce. But I think a lot of people who have moved on from something like that, you move on to something else that hopefully, and in most cases, I think you will admit, is a better situation. And my current marriage is better than my first one was. And Mm -hmm. if I had stayed in that one and stayed in a marriage that probably wasn't meant to be together for my entire life, Mm -hmm. that would have been the failure. Right. Sometimes we try to make the thing work, even Mm -hmm. when it's not working. And so I talk to my clients about having some faith, saying, I don't need to know all the answers right now, but I do know what's not working. And then I have to have some faith, just like you did with the divorce, to get back out there and to know that this isn't the path I need to be on. I don't know exactly what it's going to be in the future, but right now I have to follow my heart and my head and say, this isn't working and admit that there's a failure going on. But like you said, in the bigger picture, really was it? No, it wasn't because you were able to be with somebody more compatible and so was she. You're still friends, which is amazing. And so there's all these great things that came out of it. You learned so much about relationships. You've learned so much about communication Mm -hmm. because you said, at that point, you guys were young and you didn't communicate on some things. You assumed things. And then it kind of went on for too long of assuming and there was some damage caused. And there was a lot of immaturity in other areas for me as well. And because I had so much social anxiety, Mm -hmm. I thought that she would be okay with me not going to family functions. But it started building up this resentment within her, Mm -hmm. which again, because of the lack of communication, caused a problem. So now as an older person, I realized that 
sometimes you have to take a bullet on things that you don't want to do. That's what a relationship is all about. Mm -hmm. It's not just about you. It's about the two of you. And I had to fail to be able to learn that lesson. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. Once we can be open to that and say, I don't know how this is going to pan out. I don't feel good about this right now. Accept your feelings and validate them, but also be open to the fact that there's lessons coming in that you're going to learn so that you can be even better in your life. And that's what you did. You ended up cultivating better relationships, learning more about yourself, and going to more social functionings. Aren't you happy about that, Brian? I think the real winners there are the people who are attending the social functions who get to spend a couple of hours with yours truly. I think that's what it is. They're clamoring. They're like, oh, here comes the failure. (laughs) But I think it's big. I mean, that's one of the things, too. When I went off to New York, and I remember saying to my husband, I was there for four years, and I remember at one point, I just started getting so frustrated. Going to New York and doing acting is like, I think they described it as banging your head against the wall and thinking the wall's going to move. Like, that's how frustrating (laughs) it is. I remember going to a seminar. And of course, when I first got there and I was at like this acting seminar and they were saying, if there's anything else you can possibly do to be happy in any kind of way, go do it. And I remember sitting there going, oh yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to win the Powerball (laughs) too. Please. (laughs) Then I was begging for that person's number. By the time I wanted to leave, now what do I do now? And I remember saying to my husband, he's like, are you ready to come home? Like, what's going on? Because you seem like you're really frustrated. And I was like, every choice I made there had to do with being open for auditions and had to be for other people to reject you. But what I did for work and all the things that you do, it really comes down to, okay, I got to be available for all of this stuff. And I got tired of it. And you get tired of all the rejection and all of this stuff. And he looked at me and he said, so you're going to stay here and be miserable because you don't want to go home because I go I don't want to go home and tell all the people that I'm not famous like I don't want to admit (laughs) failure and he was like so you're going to stay here and be miserable because you think some people are going to give you a hard time about going home and I was like yeah okay yeah I'm going to stay here so I did for a little while longer until I finally was like no I got to take what I learned and I got to go do something else can I tell you something about your family and friends Mm -hmm. even if you had gone and you had made it and you did become famous to them you will never be famous (laughs) (laughs) You're not even going to get to rub it in their faces because they're going to make sure that they remain as unimpressed as possible to keep you grounded. On the flip side, I can also say I went out to Los Angeles and I already had connections and I Mm -hmm. did make it and I was doing it and I had to move home. Is he trying to make me feel bad? No. But this is a different kind of way that I had to walk away from something. I had to move home to try to save the first marriage. I thought that was the noble and right thing to do. I had the exact opposite experience. My wife at the time was begging me to stay out there. She's like, you're doing this. Why are you going to come home? And I think she just knew that she was done with the marriage. And that was part of the problem. I had gone out first. I got settled. And the plan was she was going to come out and join me. And we were going to try it for a couple of years. And she just freaked and said, I can't do this. This just isn't what I want. And because we met so young, as we grew as people, we wanted different things. Mm -hmm. And that's why it wasn't working. It wasn't that we hated each other or we weren't getting along. But to hop on that plane, Courtney, and go Mm -hmm. home, I remember literally thinking at the time, feeling like a failure because I'm walking away from my dream job. I thought, if this plane goes down right now, I don't even care. I literally had that Mm. thought because I just didn't know if my marriage was going to survive. I just infuriated my agent. 
union <laughs> employers burned some bridges over that whole thing yeah. and I had to believe in my talent I had a job waiting here a radio job a well paying one so it's not like I wasn't going to be able to support myself mm -hmm. I just had to be creative in a different way but I'd already done that however it was the most money I had ever made in my life and <laughs> it's the most money that I will ever make so that softened the blow a little bit <laughs> but then I'm thinking is she going to get that in the divorce but I digress <laughs> stick with us Brian the bottom line is though if I had not moved home mm -hmm. and I had already done it I was cool with it and mm -hmm. I've had so many great experiences and what I learned when I got back to radio was I have way more creative freedom here Yeah, and that's not to say I have total creative freedom but I always tell the story about being in Hollywood and everybody thinks they're funny and there's just tons and tons of people on a crew and the lighting guy is like hey you know it'd be funny and I say to him hey you know what filter you should use on that like what am I going to tell you about <laughs> yeah. your job but everyone just assumes that they're going to tell you your job mm -hmm. and when non-comedy people are making comedy decisions after a while it really starts to beat you down so I come back I take a job in radio I get the creative freedom back and through that radio show I meet who is my now wife had I stayed out there what would have happened right. I can beat myself up and ask that question I don't know but I do know what I have now makes me happy yeah. so in that way it's not a failure it's mm -hmm. just another phase of my life and Courtney as you know I've gotten back to writing and I'm dipping my toe mm -hmm. back into the screenwriting I've written my first play there are still ways to try to do a little bit of all of that just because you drop the ball on something once doesn't mean you can't eventually pick it back up again right exactly I'm totally into recycling my old careers <laughs> like and doing them over again but one of the things that I had to look at when I came back from New York was the fact of what is it that is kind of the through line in my life and it was always about trying to help people go for their dreams it was always about like being excited mm -hmm. to be like oh what do you want to do with your life and then showing people that you can bet on yourself even if it doesn't turn out the way that you wanted it to that you can make these big choices and going to New York and LA those were big and so that was the thing that got me into life coaching and then I started saying wow this is actually my true passion with life coaching and then from life coaching I wanted to get even deeper into like psychology and stuff and so then I went back to school so all of these things happened and it was a continuation of what I had started I couldn't see that at first but I had to step back and I think that's the thing about failure too if you can look at it and reframe it and really open up to what is it trying to tell me and what's some other avenues that I haven't looked at because really truly I don't think of that as a failure anymore at first I really did and I held on to it and then you know what I said no I needed those experiences in order to be the person I am today in doing all the things that I'm doing today and it makes total sense to me now and again even if it is a failure you grow from yeah. it you learn yeah. something from it mm -hmm. so it isn't and to me there is no bigger failure than being at the end of your life and asking the question Question, what if? Mm. What if you had never gone to New York right. and you just tortured yourself for your whole life? Would I have become an actress? What mm -hmm. would have happened next? All of these other things. And I've sent many people to Los Angeles and to New York telling them, I'm not guaranteeing you anything. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to go out there and there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of talented people and there might be people who are hungrier than you. But even if you're the most talented and the most hungry, mm -hmm. that still doesn't, doesn't guarantee, guarantee anything. No, you're playing with the big dogs, as we used to say. But at least you will never ask yourself 
myself the question, what if? Mm -hmm. Because I think that is way more heartbreaking than trying something and not having it go your way. Right. I also learned about myself, too, because I think about this now. I'm like, if I stayed in New York, what would have happened? I feel like I would have been lonely. Like, I really do feel like being with Mike, and thank goodness, I can't say he waited for me, but he kind of (laughs) did when I came back. And we sort of found each other again. We broke up for a little while, but we found each other again. But I have to say that I feel like even if I did have some success and stayed in New York, I would have been sort of like the person in the penthouse by themselves. I kind of do feel like that. I had to really do some soul searching and be like, wow, I need that combination of him and my stepkids and family like that in my life. That really helps me to feel grounded and connected. The analogy that I can use for you with that, I assume you've seen the movie Walk the Line. Oh, yeah. There's the scene where Johnny Cash buys this big house out in the woods Mm -hmm. and he has Thanksgiving there. And he's always just tried to impress his father. And his father is there and Johnny's talking about his career and there's a lot of resentment between them. And his father says, what do you have? You got nothing. Big man living in a big house all by himself. Mm -hmm. You got nothing. Addicted to pills. You've got nothing. And in some ways, you can achieve all of the success in the world. But with success also comes demons sometimes, Mm -hmm. comes loneliness sometimes. It is a very solitary lifestyle. And if I have a what if in my life, I went out to L.A. several different times. I had lots of opportunities. One time I was out there, and it was the first time that I got an agent and a manager. And I had to come home at one point, and I said, well, just keep plugging and see if you can get me a job and meanwhile I'll be here doing radio. I get an opportunity for a radio job in Boston. I sign the contract. The next day, my agent calls and says, Mad TV wants to hire your brother and you as writers. And I thought, oh no. And I tried Mm -hmm. to see about getting out of the radio contract. There would have been legal problems. I'm a man of my word. I had to back out. This was the same agent who I burned later on to when I had to go back home to save the marriage. So suffice it to say, this guy no longer takes my calls. But sometimes I do ask myself, what if? But I also think about it this way. My wife now did not experience Los Angeles with me at all, did not experience the relationship I had with Phil Hartman, all of the stuff that I did out there. So when Phil Hartman got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I took her out there with me. And one of the things I had said about living in Los Angeles, and I think it speaks to what you're saying about living in New York, it is so different than living in New England. Mm -hmm. And it's so not me. And I was really homesick. Even though I was doing everything that I wanted, at times I was having dreams about Chapachet, Rhode Island. <laughs> I would sleep and I would want to be home because yeah. it was just so hard to get around. People are so phony yeah. where people are just so genuine to a fault here in New England. But you get used to that. Mm-hmm. Everything being so close and so convenient and all your loved ones are here. She got out there for a day and said, I can't imagine you lasting here 10 minutes. And wow. I really do ultimately think no matter what would have happened off of that mad TV gig, and they had a lot of talented people on that show at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Maybe I would have hit it big, but I always remember talking to this writer, Erica Rivanoia, who has gone on to do some really great things, and she wasn't from L.A. originally, and when I was debating coming back to save the marriage, she took me out to dinner, and she said, Brian, ultimately, all of us want to get successful enough to be the Farrelly brothers, where Mm. you can still do this, but you don't have to live here. None of us want to live here. Mm -hmm. This is not a great place to live, and in New York, many ways. Some people are big city people and they love it, but I feel very claustrophobic in those Mm. places, and I ultimately think that it would have driven me crazy, or at least that's what I tell myself, so I don't have to ask (laughs) what if. (laughs) But that's true though, and I think you had told me that before too. That wasn't a place that clicked with you, but Mm -hmm. when you're starting out at things and you get some success 
process, you got to be where the action is. And that's a big sacrifice too. I think I loved New York more than I thought I would. I was really afraid to live in New York because I thought everybody's on top of each other mm-hmm. and they kind of are, but I got used to it and I do miss it at times, but I can just go there for the day. You can always <laughs> and visit. Just like fly. And, and there's nothing home. that says someday yeah. you can't go back. And I think that's the thing when people think about, well, that chapter is closed. No, no chapter is closed. Ask this question to Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> is Bennett for over or it is, is it not? not? over. Oh you my just gosh. never know. What is it? 17 years later or something they said? Something like that. Yeah. I was recently watching Project Greenlight, rewatching it with my wife. I don't know yeah. if you remember that series on HBO. And there were some episodes from 2002 and they were together back oh then. So here it is nearly 20 years yeah. later. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Yeah. You think about that. And to me, who would have ever thought I'd be doing morning radio at 50? <laughs> that just blows my mind. That's the kind of thing. I had these radio dreams and I got lucky in radio. That was not something where I thought I was going to be. And then I was doing some full time. Then I went to New York. But when I came back and I was doing weekends and stuff, I never thought that I was going to be able to get back into like a full time thing. And I started doing other things. You just never know what's there for you in life. And I actually would say to the program director, hey, if there's anything that ever opens, just let me know. Not thinking that anything would come of it. And I could have felt like kind of nervous to say this. And what if he rejects me and stuff like that? But I just threw it out there. Not any guarantees. And that's the kind of thing. It's like trying things, throwing things out there, talking to people. That could be something that people are really anxious about. It reminds me of, too, when I came back from New York and I really wanted to get back, I wanted to get on air in radio, but I was so scared. I'd call these PDs, like these program directors, and my voice would be trembling and I'd be sending them out my air checks and stuff. And so I remember going to this course and they were saying, collect the no's. Like, how many no's can you get? Instead of focusing on, I got to get a yes. If you get 10 no's, you might get a yes in there somewhere. You know what I mean? So that's one way to reframe it. I remember being like, all right, pick up the phone. It doesn't matter if you get a no. The whole point is just to do it. How many no's can you get today? (laughs) And just reframe it. That can help with fear of failure as well. When it comes to collecting no's, remember this. Lin-Manuel Miranda offered up Hamilton to Disney, and they said no. Mm -hmm. The Beatles were told no a hundred times. And I think part of what you're saying, too, and this is something that I've learned as I've become older, sometimes the harder that you chase something and the more that you try to force it, Mm -hmm. the more elusive it becomes. And I often say that many of the great things that have happened in my life have just fallen out of the sky when I least expected it. Mm -hmm. And Phil Hartman always told me the story about how his career came late and he said I wanted to act so bad I had all these characters and voices and I'm going on auditions and then I co-write Pee-wee's Big Adventure with Paul Rubens and then that becomes a hit then at that moment I said hey I just made a lot of money I'm doing something creative that I love I'm going to be a writer from now on I don't care he still had a couple of auditions that he had to go on so he just went he went through the motions at those auditions and he said Brian it was as if they could sense that the desperate was no longer there. And sometimes that is your Mm -hmm. biggest enemy. Think about that girl or that guy that you want so bad. You love something so much and it's not loving you back. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're smothering it to an extent. Maybe you're creating your own failure in that way. And sometimes when you speak to something like, I went to New York, it didn't work out. Who knows what was at play? Maybe Mm -hmm. it was that. Maybe the timing wasn't right. Maybe the universe didn't want that for you. Maybe the universe wanted something else. Maybe I 
learned exactly what I was supposed to yeah. and, and, and was there for that. And you have to be at peace with that. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward for you, thinking you're never going to act again, you come back here, <laughs> you end up in radio with me, I write a play, you're at the table read, you're acting your butt off, everything's coming full circle. Yeah, no. That's why I say you just never know and to be open to it and to speak to what you're saying. Really challenge what you're telling yourself because if you're saying, I'm a failure, I can't do this, or I have to be with this person, or it has to be this way, or this is the only job I'll be happy at. If you speak in extremes to yourself and you have some of these cognitions, challenge them because you know what? It could be just like, no, I can handle this either way, whichever way this goes. This is a sign that I'm challenging myself and let me have some faith in how things will move forward. They will go the way they're supposed to go. Well, isn't this in play too? If you say, I must have this or that or nothing, Mm -hmm. what you're essentially doing is leaving one door open Mm -hmm. and closing all of the other ones. You always see those movies where, let's say, there's a guy who's chasing this girl and everyone knows that she's wrong for him, but there's the girl who's the friend who's trying to give him advice and all that other (laughs) stuff. And then by the end of the movie, he ends up with the friend and they live happily ever after. Well, why couldn't he see the friend for that at the beginning? Mm -hmm. Because he was so laser focused on the wrong thing when the right thing was there the whole time. And that's why you have to keep an open mind about this stuff. That's why when you get stuck in all of that and you start getting real anxious and real overwhelmed, you got to take a step back, put a pause. I always tell my clients, it is not urgent. Our brain will make us think like, I got to make this decision right now and this is all urgent. No, 99.9% of the times, this is not a crisis. This is not an emergency. You can take a breath, you can take a pause and you can reflect and be open to maybe some new information because we just get stuck on, no, this is just the way it has to be. And, you know, sometimes we do need to be determined and kind of very laser focused. But like you said, that can also cut out all these other possibilities Mm -hmm. and make us feel really badly when maybe the thing that is going to make us happy is like just a little to the left. Look over here. Yeah. Focus and determination. Mm -hmm. Not bad things. But as we always say, there is a line Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you have to recognize where the line is with everything. Mm -hmm. I think I can say with some confidence that one thing that is not a failure is episode 62 of Coping on the Couch (laughs) with Courtney and Brian. And if anybody disagrees. And if you want to challenge us on that, don't contact me, please. I already feel bad enough about myself. You can contact Courtney. How do they do that? Absolutely. Wellness at WCTK.com. You can tell me all about all the things that you learned with Brian and I today. (laughs) Or tell us everything that's going wrong in your life and try to convince us that, yeah, maybe you are a failure. We would love to hear from you. Let's see if we can be swayed. (laughs) You can also jump on our website, catcountry.com, Wellness Wednesday page. We have lots of great resources for you. And yeah, you can contact us through me. And then I'll talk to Brian about it. Oh, there are ways to contact me as well. At Cat Country Mornings on socials. I have an individual page on just about everything. Brian Mulhern, B-R-I-A-N-H-E-R-N from Mulhern. Courtney Kelly, E-Y, Courtney Kelly Bedard as well. And then don't forget about this lovely podcast and telling all of your friends mm-hmm. about it because they'll say, you're not a failure. You're a winner for yes. turning me on to something this great that is helping me so much. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can get us on smart devices, Libsyn. Just Google the damn thing, will you? <laughs> <laughs> and while you're doing that and occupying yourself for the next several days, we'll be right back at it next week with another episode of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. Thanks for listening. Thank you. I want to talk about